coming to you live from backstage at Freight Alley. You are listening to Wide the Good afternoon, Michael Vinton. Good, Good afternoon, afternoon Dooner. Good afternoon to everybody out there watching at home. Got you up on the LinkedIn. Let's get this position. There you go. Got there right. you lovely people All are. Right. Beautiful. Feed the rancor. Feed the tiger. <laughs> By the way, man, some good news to start out with. All right. Oh, we so got there, really? All right. Cool. I think because of coronavirus, everyone forgot that like April Fools was going on, right? <laughs> I, I, I didn't realize it. My daughters tried to convince me that it was their birthday. Was their April Fools? Joke. Okay. Well, the internet tried to convince people that Joe Exotic had the coronavirus. Oh. But according to his Facebook page, Joe Exotic does not have COVID nineteen virus. <sighs> He's only in a fourteen day quarantine. Because he was transferred from another facility. Well, so that is good news. That is good news. <laughs> Especially for all you... Uh, that is very good news. Because I still haven't made it past uh, episode one. I, I fully intend to watch the entire series, Dune, I promise. Uh, but uh, I had some other things going on at home. So Nice. Um, what did you have going on at home? Sorry, I'm just pulling up the comments. Uh, <laughs> no, nah, you know, just just homeschooling. I got some home projects that I'm doing around the house, that type of stuff. So haven't haven't gotten to it. By the time I uh, have time to uh, watch something like Joe Exotic, I'm I'm just I'm beat and I'm just going to bed. Good. So. Pa- Patrick Murray says, "Good afternoon, gentlemen. Hey, thanks for joining us, Patrick. Keep you right up here with us. <laughs> uh, hey, you know what? Um, so my kid's holding up. I just got them a. Yeah. Uh, we, they've done all the puzzles, like all the puzzles, all the books we have at home. So I got this Mega Blocks Castle Grayskull. Sorry, honey, it's for my birthday. Mega Blocks <laughs> Castle Grayskull, thirty five hundred piece. Nice construction thing. Yeah, it's going to take a while. It's going to keep us busy. Yeah, that's awesome. Time. That's that's really room. good. Yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm, I'm busy playing Barbies and planning building a new swing set, that type of stuff for the kids. So that's what I've been doing. But uh, hey, we got some great headlines, Dooner. Yes, we do. But we got to pay the bills first. That's right. This week it is. Uh, this month actually, Triumph Pay. Triumph Pay is the leading carrier payment platform in transportation with over fifty thousand carriers paid. Triumph Pay helps to drive capacity, efficiency, and cash flow for brokers and shippers. Visit Visit TriumphPay.com to learn more. Yeah, now let's hit the deadlines, huh? The deadlines. All right, headlines. Sorry about that. All right, a lot of people have been wondering this one. Are grocery stores running out of food? So we saw the toilet paper. People have seen shortages on milk and butter, all those kind of things. Well, Linda Baker reports in today's pickup, weeks into the pandemic, bare shelves in grocery stores continue to trigger anxiety in Americans Worried about possible food shortages, grocery and warehouse workers testing positive for for COVID-19 adds that alarm. But never fear. Although the pandemic is causing logistical headaches for producers and manufacturers, the U.S. is not going to run out of food anytime soon, experts say. That's exactly right. The food is there. It's just going into different spots. David... uh what is it? McInerney, the chief executive of Fresh Direct, told the New York Times, now that cruise ships are not using up all the avocados, he observed, we have a giant surge of avocados. I love avocados, Dooner. Do you really? I absolutely do. They're, they're awesome. They're, they're a pain, though, because when you buy them, it's hard to figure out which ones are, are ready. And so yeah. It, it, but, so you buy it, you better eat it, because if it's not, like the next day, it's done. 
Well, right? here's the and thing. Go fast, but avocados do right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But the supply chain is doing is 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 fine. It's not broken. Well, here's the thing. In some cases, there's too much food. So right. we look at the disruption in the hotel, the entertainment indus- in industry. We look at uh, we look at events and all of these different things where food used to go to restaurants, all of those places. Now they're going to grocery stores. So it's but it's creating all these huge disruptions in supply chain. Lando Lakes being one of the companies, they're part of one of these cooperatives and they deal with the dairy industry, right? Right. They have seen its uh, its members have to dump a lot of this milk. So to the consumer, you go to the grocery store, you're like, man, it looks like there's only a couple gallons of 2%. They're putting restrictions on how much I can buy. But it turns out it's just that supply chain adjusting. They're actually dumping gallons and gallons and gallons of milk. Yeah, it's the supply chain disruption. The supply chain was built to to have it to be as efficient as possible, cost effective, efficient, get what we need when we need it there, just in time type of stuff, right? It wasn't built to a what if, and certainly not a what if like we're experiencing right this second. It's not broken, but so they they have to deal with the the panic, the fear buying that happened, right, and and restock. And now they're they're dealing with the fear or of of the oh no we're running out of food we're not yeah we're not actually and milk purchases were up fifty three percent for the week ending March twenty first with butter sales surging one hundred twenty seven percent cream cheese rose more than eighty four percent compared to the same year earlier so we're seeing uh we're seeing a lot of different disruptions going on by the way for those of you watching on the LinkedIn feed I noticed that it did drop out and I think that we are just pulling right back up right now. So, excellent. Apologize for that disruption. You can see the full version of this after we're done. And good for you. We only just got to one headline. We we're talking yeah, about milk. We did. And now butter. we're moving on to Delta Airlines to manufacture face shields, right? So, uh, Eric Coolish reports uh, for Freight Waves uh, in house production shop retools to provide coronavirus protective equipment. Now, uh, Delta Airlines and others we've talked about is using their passenger flights strictly as cargo, right? Yeah. For as many many freighters, I suppose, is, is what the, the term was. But also, the company announced April 2nd that its Delta Flight Products uh, subsidiary will produce face shields in collaboration with the Global Center for Medical Innovation to protect hospital workers from COVID-19. You know, a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about all of this, we were saying it's going to be exciting to see some of the, the changes that happen and, the, and the, the good that comes from this. And I just love the way the supply chain has reacted in a lot of places. Even hockey companies like Bauer are starting to make face shields. They're yeah, stepping I saw up. that Bauer, even Bauer, yeah. right? Yeah, the hockey company. It's really cool. It's uh, you know, the, it's unbelievable with the nationwide, you know, the personal protective equipment. Obviously, in, in short, because of the immediate demand for it. Yeah. And so now, I mean, even ma- auto manufacturers are getting in on the game, uh, uh, which is which is awesome. And I've kind of likened it to, you know, is this the Rosie the Riveter? Of World War Two, oh II. yeah, you know what I mean. Just everybody's stepping up. Everybody's stepping up, and it's shortages and it's really, in uh, green yeah. or red paint, whatever yeah. that was. Yeah, Delta's the latest example of companies, right? As we talked about, General Motors, for example, yeah, ventilators, uh, so on and so forth. Uh, so the face shields help extend the useful life of the ni- uh, N95 masks, which are in low supply right now because yeah. of immediate demand. So we're producing those and bringing those in. So. And you may have seen President Trump put a tweet out talking about how 3M and a lot of other countries are also putting these restrictions, but on the export of these face masks, because healthcare professionals and right. uh, we ourselves, you try to go to a store and buy one, you're not going to be able to find an N95 mask. Actually, if you've been on Amazon, you've been lucky enough to find them 
in stock, when you actually go to check out with it, it says you can't because you're not a healthcare professional. Uh, I haven't tried to do that myself. Well, let's I stay on. No idea. Let's stay on food. Let's okay. stay on food here. Let's, so, food carriers. We'll go back to it. Yeah. Food carriers stay hungry for special overrate permits. John Gallagher reports that President Donald Trump's national emergency declaration on March 13th set in motion a wave of special overweight permits issued by individual states that are making a critical difference in helping carriers of food and other supplies respond to this COVID 19 crisis. According to the Retail Industry Association, most states have relaxed their weight restrictions to allow loaded trucks weighing over the federal 80,000-pound limit to travel on interstate highways within the states. State control limits on uh, non-interstate roads with overweight allowances ranging anywhere from 1,000 pounds to 8,000 pounds or more. And this is a good thing. It, it, is, it is a good thing. If it's used wisely, it's, it's absolutely a good thing. And while certain types of freight can fill a truck's cargo space, uh, what, what, what you have is, is it overweights before you fill out the cube. Right? By the way, so check this could. out. Hold on yeah, one second. Ahead. Casey yeah. Ballman, executive vice president of HR and recruiting at HMD Trucking, says, My mother is 66 years old and retired seamstress, and she is making fabric face masks for emergency workers all over the country. So just awesome to hear that. Yeah, there's people uh, stepping up all over the place. That's awesome. So it's dim awesome. freight. But yeah, so I mean, it, what it is, is is you can, before you cube out a trailer and can't physically fill that space with a cube, uh, it'll wait out yeah. with these heavy with these heavy things like, like food, etc. Uh, and, and so by relieving these, these weight limitations, they'll actually get more on these trucks that can fill out that cube a little bit better, right? People in LTL uh, know this. I started my career in LTL. I ran a, a, a section of the dock in Toledo, Ohio for Roadway Express called the Pike. And you can run, at that time, you could run about 2,500 uh, pounds an axle more on the turnpike from Toledo all the way through to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. We pull in trailers coming in from Chicago Heights going east all the time and just add five, six, seven thousand pounds, ten thousand more to these to these trailers to fit more stuff in it. And that's what in like this is doing. They're getting more product on these, which is great. It, it reminds me of what Dan Schul said here as the state director of the Missouri Grocers Association. He was like, there is nothing more frustrating these days than opening the back of the truck at the warehouse dock or at the retailer and finding out that you could have put more crap in there, right? You could have put more pallets of food. You're seeing these shortages and now even though nationally there may not be a food shortage when by the time it hits the grocery store and the supply chain, and it's not just like hoarding or panic buying, it's just it's people are just surging to grocery stores. They're doing more buying. Yeah, they they absolutely are, and that's what we were talking about earlier with the the, the food and the disruption. And oh no, we're out of food. It's just yeah. the disruption, and I'm trying to catch back up with it. And now they got to deal with the fear of when you walk in and there's nothing on that shelf. Well, if there's something there, I better buy it. Yeah, we, I mean, we just went through all this optimization companies did over the past decade of not having yeah. these many goods on site. And then there were some companies who were like, you know what, we're actually going to bring more goods on site so we can act as our own e-tail, retail uh, distribution centers. But a lot of companies still aren't there, so they, they really only have enough space for whatever they thought demand was going to bring at that point in time. Yeah, that's absolutely right. The discussion that you see now online and you're talking about the supply chains and just-in-time and optimization, et cetera, is do we need to build in more what-ifs? And at what cost is that to, you know, your normal uh, daily operating? When we get back to normal, sooner rather than later, hopefully, yeah. uh, you know, wh- how, do you, how do you account for this type of thing happening in the future? Is it, is it that, is it, is it I kind of think it'll be some, somewhere along the lines of where we, we need to hit this is rethinking the uh, supply chain or a little bit better collaborative so you can respond a little bit better. But also, you know, public awareness and public education as to actually what's going on and people paying attention to what is going on and not this fear that, hey, we're out of food. I better buy everything up right this absolute second. You know, if everybody just 
chill out just a little bit and listen. The food is there. You know it's what though, coming. It, it does show how great these uh, these demand and inventory planning systems are, though, that you almost never notice these shortfalls until these demand surges actually happen. So that's pretty cool right. to think about. Yeah, you're absolutely right. All right absolutely who, right. We got to make a got? call out now. Who are we going to dial oh, up to? Who are we calling? Daniel, uh, how do I pronounce this? Agamez, National Director of Operations. Nice. Is that who we're talking to? Yeah, National Director of Operations at Lean Staffing. Yeah, Operations Implementation at Lean Staffing. By the way, LinkedIn Live, I am not sure what's going on there. I'm not seeing the comments, though. Hello? Hey, Daniel, this is uh, Dooner and the Dude with What the Truck. How are you doing? All good. How are you guys? We're we're doing great. Great. How are you, Daniel? Doing great. Doing great as well. Nice. Nice. From home nowadays. Oh, are you are you are you, uh, are you in Colombia as well? Like like many of your team? Yes, I am. Now, when I talked to them, uh, when did we talk to them? Like last week or two weeks ago? They said I things think two weeks ago. I think yeah. They said things weren't that bad in Colombia. Not everyone had really been self quarantined. Has that changed at all, Daniel? In the past two weeks, have things progressively gotten worse or better? Uh, well, thankfully, in Colombia, the situation is not as bad as uh, you know as many other countries that. There's a lot of infected people due to COVID-19, but we do have a stronger regulations now. Everyone has been self-quarantined for two uh, two weeks now, I think. Um, and it's foreseeable that the uh, month of April would still require everyone to be quarantined up pretty much um, for the month of April, even possible the end of May. Um, the levels are... Uh, there's still a lot of people that are being tested, but it hasn't gone out of hand so far. So, you know, we're still... Looking forward to seeing, you know, what the government's going to do in, in this regard. But so far, the situation has been pulled. Great. Well, with everyone yeah. working from home, how are you handling quality assurance to make sure productivity is not impacted? Yeah, that's a great question. Quality is it's a vital part of our process. It's pretty much the heart of our company. So we've implemented uh, for every operation with our clients different strategies that are covering their operation, volume-wise and as well as quality and quantity of the work. So what we currently do is with the KPIs that we already had in place, we've boosted those KPIs and having daily meetings with the team, having the quality department reaching out to everyone, closely following up on volume. I know that our industry has been impacted heavily in, you know, uh, because of the COVID-19, a lot of people depending on most countries like China for their imports. Um, so we are, we're being very good and volume, and then we cross-reference that with the daily work that they receive. Um, we've created and we've uh, updated every single KPI to be more detailed in terms of work structure. Um, that way, we're daily sending our clients what was worked uh, during the day, so they can go back and, um, and verify how their volume working, how their employees are doing from home. So we've got a pretty great response from the staff here in Colombia. Um, so, so far, none of the clients have been affected in terms of quality of work. Wow. So Americans and most of the world are in the middle of the world's largest work from home experiment. This means that a lot of offices who are very, you know, previously very resistant to work from home policies, they really wanted to have optics on their workers. They wanted to see people there. Has this changed how companies are looking at a a nearshoring service like lean staffing? Are they learning anything from this experiment? Well, it has. Um, I I will say that every time we're onboarding new clients or a company, the fact that you just decide to offer your operation to uh, Columbia, that's the way to face the world taking. Most of our clients, they, uh, they hadn't done that before. They hadn't done it in the past. And now that they do it, so it's a place. And now, moving your operations from an office facility to their homes is also something that, you know, caught everyone off guard per se. Um, but 
saying the fact that we still manage the network, that we still manage the staff, that quality has stepped up and that our operations uh, and our management team are moving forward to keep, uh, to, to closely follow up on what they do and provide the same type of assistance to daily calls to supervisors and managers and staff members have shown that the fact is not location, it's the quality of what you do. So you could be, uh, you know, whatever, as long as you have a great staffing and operations vendor, you're going to do great. So it's pretty much in a management now. Yeah. So, uh, Daniel, uh, with this with this going on, uh, it, it sounds like you've got some great tools and, and people are managing productivity quite quite well. Is that right? Yes, we do. So we we have our own internal QMS and we also manage our, our clients uh, QMS as well. So we logging every day to various tools and various follow up systems such as Ambition, um, Power BI, the Microsoft tools and our internal spreadsheets. So we do have a lot of tools at our disposal that are they keep, they keep us connected to everything that's being done during the day. And, and we're able to pull the data by the end of the day. In our, in our constant meetings, we analyze the data and then we go back or we tackle or, or just put flags on whatever needs to be flagged in the moment. So you're, so you're, you're measuring the KPIs for those companies and are, are you, you, you adjusting those and, and having those tailored specifically for those customers' needs as you onboard them? Exactly. Every KPI that we manage is tailored to every operation. So we do not run just in universal, even though that most in our industry, most KPIs are followed because of volume or quality of time response. So based on that universal standard, then we go to what your operation actually needs. And then that's how we, you know, construct and build up those KPIs for each client. Excellent. Yeah. Hey, Brian Deal in the comments on Facebook, you're right. Strivers of the salt of the earth, Godspeed, no doubt. Norman Lanier, what the truck? Got to go watch you guys one day. Yeah, of course, when they allow everyone to hang out again. Uh, <laughs> hey, so, uh, Daniel, how do people reach out and learn more about lean staffing? You can go to our web- website at leanstaffing.com, or you can rather see our CEO, Robert, Robert Lean Staffing, or myself at danielleanstaffing.com. And we'll be always 24-7 available and ready to provide information and assistance. Great. Thank you very much. I really appreciate Thank your time you, today. You know, stay safe and, and God bless my man. Well, nice to have him on and, and yeah, hearing about absolutely. what's doing in these challenging times. I'm absolutely. really excited uh, for the next call we're going to make, though. It's to Mac Pinkerton. And now he is yeah, the president this is be great. of C.H. Robinson's North American Surface Transportation Division. He's been with them for, geez, I think almost like 27 years at this point. So he has been through... A number of different situations, crises, all of these different things from yeah. 9-11 to the yeah. recession 2008 to this situation now. So it's going to be great to hear his perspective. Yeah, it definitely on, uh, is. It definitely is. You giving him a call right now? Yeah. Yeah, cool. So, hey, one quick thing. Really cool. I, I You know, I, I look at all the different uh, different uh, uh, updates on coronavirus and what's going on. I have a ton of emails and do a lot of research and things like that. But one thing I saw was interesting was in Fortunes, the capsule. Right. Yeah. So uh, the headline was coronavirus is literally shaking up how the world moves. Right. And so instantly I'm like, ooh, logistics. Let me let me look at this and see what it is. Right. Not the case. Yeah. Not the case. Belgian scientists see a reduction in seismic noise because of the home sheltering. Just so like us as people are just not making as, as much people, rumbling. Trucks, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, not, so they're able to uh, monitor seismic activity, earthquakes, tectonic plate movement, volcanoes, that type of stuff, much more clearly presently because of the home. I thought that was just an interesting thing that uh, w- was out there. By the way, folks on LinkedIn Live, uh, we apologize for some of the errors there. I don't know. The feed on that has died. 
a couple times, but we do have you up on Facebook. So if you want to jump over there, I can more than happy to look at your comments. Well, that's on, another uh, thing. Zoom, that's Zoom from 10 million users last month to 200 million this month. Yeah, creating a lot of problems, though. Yeah. Zoom bombing, people <laughs> jumping into chat rooms, uh, trolls. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I actually tried to set up a family conference call, and my, my dad was uh, a little bit nervous about that. He's, he's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, I heard these were all these back doors and flaws. And what's funny is I started researching that a little bit. And there was articles back in January of them also fixing some other security flaw. But right. it seems like the same exact ones are what are being exposed now. Yeah. So I don't know if it actually ever got fixed. Yeah, well, they, they may have uh, run out of time to actually test those fix or those... those or broke you know, something else. Yeah, or broke something else when you go from 10 million to 200 million. Well, the thing with cyber hacking, too, is that a lot of times when hackers get in there or they put in the ransomware or whatever, they also create backdoors for themselves. So yeah. you pay them off. You think you got them out. Unless you fully wipe the systems and clean them and have backups in the cloud or whatever it may be, you could be in a lot of trouble. Yeah, you absolutely can. You absolutely can. All right, let's call Mac up. Let's, see, right. uh, let's see what he's doing. What's going on in his part of the world? Mac, we got him dialing. He should be coming up. We had just confirmed beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> we did. We did. We did. Hey, Robinson. There he hey, is. is this Mac Pinkerton? Uh, nope, Mac. Not at his, He's not here. Oh, okay. He's supposed to be on a we're on a live radio show right now <laughs> with your with Freightways with uh, Dooner on the in the tune on what the truck. Um, I uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. Well, hey, it's live radio, so uh, I don't know. We'll we'll have to reschedule with him. But uh, thank you for your time. Wow. All right. Well, ah, there I, you go. I'm not sure what, what he what we can talk about. What he was going to talk about, and yeah, some of these we ideas. can do that. Um, okay. So I was, they were they were going to talk about what C.H. Robinson is going is doing to support carriers during the COVID nineteen crisis. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wish we had him on here. Let me pull up an article here. Yeah, because I don't fully know what they were going to be doing. Do it. Do it. I mean, and they also said, can you speak to why it is important to advocate for keeping truck stops and rest stops open and functioning right now? Um, we can speak to that. I mean, that's what keeps America moving, right? Keeping the, the, the trucks moving, keeping the freight flowing. And as we hear, it's getting tougher and tougher because they're not necessarily closing down the rest stops, but they're just making it more difficult and more challenging to actually utilize the services there within. Yeah, they, they definitely are. And even with the, you know, like, uh, and we've got a ton of, 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 of different comments, et, et cetera, but just the, just the social distancing or limiting the number of people that are, that are coming into the truck stops, right? Yeah. Is, is kind of crazy when you're talking about you go to a, uh, what is in Texas, a Bucky's, and they're massive. And so, you know, they, are, they, are they accounting for the uh, people per square foot? Daniel, sorry, Mr. Oh, man, see, I was trying to call, I was trying to call Mr. Supply Chain too, because I wanted to harass him. He's been telling us about the bullwhip effect with the toilet paper. Yeah. So I was going to reach out to him to see what the the deal is with the bullwhip effect with the uh, <laughs> with why there's still no toilet paper. We do, we do. The other thing we wanted to talk to him about was the St. Christopher's Fund, right? Yeah. And do do we have that uh, where they can go to to make people can to contribute? I don't know. Do if you pull it? it up on our previous sheet, that would that would be great. Let me see if I have. Uh, we're, we're we're dancing for it. I, I wish we could have had Mac on. I'm not really sure what happened because we were supposed to have that. Um, we're supposed to have that schedule with him. I know that we're going to be talking to Andrew Cox in just a second here. If um, we he could come down to down to the studio, that would be awesome. We are. 
Yeah. And you know what? We're going to talk a little bit about, you know, so he's going to talk about the uh, power index and stuff like that. And yeah. um, when he comes down, we'll definitely jump him right in as soon as possible. But so yeah, I was or anyone, at, anyone, anyone in the building, if you want to come down in freeways, I know there's talk. only a few of you, but if you want to come down here and talk to us, <laughs> feel free to come on What the Truck Live. We've, we've, we've been uh, 0 for 2. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm going to try one more person. I'm going to try my boy, Jamin right. Alvarez. Do it. <laughs> I'm going to dial him up. <laughs> Give him some. See if he's available. Well, you think people would be a little <laughs> bored at home right now. You would think so. They're all busy working, which is good. Making stuff happen. This is an excellent podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. It's the best one ever. Anybody upstairs you want to come down, feel free. Hey, Jamin. Hey, how's it going? Hey, man, you're on What the the Truck with Tuner and the Dude. What's going on, Jamin? Shot in the dark, man. Thought we'd dial out to you. Hey. I I miss the call and don't pick up when it's planned, but when it's unplanned, hey. (laughs) Yeah, right away. That's how we get you. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, Jamin, so last time we talked to you or was uh, at the beginning of last month, right, when they had canceled yeah. the, the, uh, the Journal of Commerce event, right, the TPM? And this was yeah, sort of wrong. It was right when America first started taking the coronavirus seriously. How have things changed there in the past month? I know that for a long time it was sort of the epicenter of things. We're hearing a lot more about New York now, but what are conditions like there and how are you holding up? Sure. Yeah. Thanks for asking. First off, I'm I'm good and and fortunate to uh, already have had a work from home cadence and and uh, enjoy it. So I, I feel uh, fortunate there. Uh, you know, it's wild. You say a month or so ago because not even trying to be funny, that seems like a year ago. Um, it, it's it's amazing. And um, so I think out here, what what you're seeing a lot of is as silly as this sounds. I think even in the last, you know, week, week and a half, people are starting to understand, oh, oh this is a serious deal. And uh, I believe the term's been a little overused, but it just applies. The new normal. Um, I think people are starting to settle in a little more and, and take it a little more serious. Uh, even just a couple weekends ago, the beaches here were slammed on the weekend. And so it's almost like they thought social distancing distancing only applied to work in like weekdays <laughs> but now yeah now now that is that has changed and the, the beach is uh even aside from some additional enforcement but a little more empty uh fewer people are, are trying to skirt around things and go into the office so I think we're starting to understand the seriousness of it, and uh, I'm going to count that as a positive. There's a huge echo effect going on right now because we didn't all react at once as a nation, right? right. We mentioned it happened over uh-huh. in Washington and in California and in, in New York, and it, only, it was only just yesterday that Tennessee just put a shelter-in-place order in place, right, Michael? That's exactly right. And someone on the line, they, they likened it to having a peeing section in a swimming pool. To only lock down some of the, you know, or like well, there used to be smoking sections in restaurants, like you're still getting hit by this stuff. Uh, but you, you guys, I love it. You have been under more stringent uh, controls than I guess the the rest of the nation. So for those of us who are just starting to enter shelter in place, how has sure. that changed life at all? Yeah, you know, it's made me a little more mindful of, and again, I'm going to go on the positive side of it, right? Like it's made me more mindful of intentionally reaching out to people. Uh, by phone or Zoom or, or text, I had noticed that I'd been a little complacent with just checking in on people when times were quote unquote good. And uh, so, you know, being a little more stringent, you can't even, you know, the parks are shut down and, and uh, stores, you know, you're, you're lining up before you can go in. So 
definitely day-to-day life was changed and you just find yourself thinking a little bit more about things you might have taken for granted and, and making sure that that people are okay or connecting and, and just finding uh, other ways to feel normal, if you will, or, or to commiserate. So um, that's been the biggest thing for me. And then just the, the day-to-day things like, oh, hey, got to pop over to the grocery store to get this or, oh, man, need, you know, need uh, to get a, a new shirt or something. There's not just pop it into a store. So it's, it's really changed even the habits of, of buying and, and how I arrange uh, my day. You just are really mindful of the, the simple things that maybe would have been overlooked before. Yeah, excellent, excellent points, Jamie. And I find yeah. myself doing the same thing. You know, when I would think about somebody, uh, you know, it, when times were good, you'd be like, it, it, you just kind of let that that thought go. Now you don't. You, you, you yeah. act on those, right? And and when you see somebody out with proper social distancing, there's more people. How are you doing? And they sincerely want to know. Yeah. Yes. It's not just yeah. a greeting no, like, hey, how you doing, going by. It's, but it's hey, me, how are you? Yeah, Is but you, family you know, okay? shout across the, the room at them. Yeah, but it's still, yeah. even though it's you're not close, you're, yeah. it's... It, the sincerity is is there, right? No man, everyone's doing Which these like nice. Zoom, these Zoom family conferences now. Just yeah. like companies are doing this, is translating to personal life because yeah. you know we're social beings, and I th- like I think now we're finally going to be ushered into that point in society where like conference, like video calls are way more normal than just having audio calls. People are starting to get used to it. They've all set up Skype or Zoom or whatever it may be on their computers. Hey, Jamie, before we let you go, what do you, just to the audience, if they're not familiar, what do you do for business and how has that changed at all since the, uh, the coronavirus hit? Yeah. So I represent a company, uh, RDS, uh, rail delivery services and rail delivery services, logistics. They do, uh, regional truckloads on the assets, cross dock, and then a, a brokerage piece. And you know, it's, uh, we service a wider range of customers, so I've just noticed that I have to be empathetic and, and nimble in my conversations. One size fits one, because I'll talk to one uh, customer and their business is booming, and the conversation, you know, has to be around, "Hey, how do we help you in this this time when you have a lot of volume?" And then the very next call, thirty seconds later, it's someone who's in a quote unquote non-essential business, and their business is completely dried up. And your conversation is more humane and just kind of how to how to be a sounding board and not necessarily trying to pump them for business. So it's uh, engaging empathy and just knowing who you're talking to and, and where they're at and then speaking to them in a way that's going to help them. And, and it's cliche, but I think it's true. It's focusing really on the business side of it secondarily and thinking more long term than just like, Hey, what do you have on your doc today? Yeah. Yeah. Solid yeah, stuff. Being the solution provider, building that relationship, that trust and, and, and the long advisor, right? That relationship. Sure. Yeah. 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 I think it's a great time for starting relationships, fostering relationships right now and uh, just being there for one another. Well, Jamin, yeah. thank you. Thank you so much for uh, for being there for yeah, us when we need you, for picking up the <laughs> phone it. when we made that call and being and letting us hear your voice and letting us know that you are uh, that you're okay, dude. We appreciate it. <laughs> appreciate you both. Take care. Take Thanks, Jamin. Wow, good stuff. See, he yeah, always comes in the pinch. Today, One of the most right? solid guys on LinkedIn. Hey, you so can real, real quick, because yeah. I brought it up and then I and then I, and then I flopped on it. Was yeah. was the St. Christopher Truckers Relief? Yes, I pulled it up. Right, so the fund is the Mid American. Well, you know, it was one of the biggest fundraisers at uh, uh, for it was the Mid American Truck Show. So. 
Um, it helps truck drivers facing financial challenges due to illness or injury is what it does. It's a fun to help out truck drivers and their, and their families. Uh, and you know, last year, they distributed 487000 so almost half a million dollars, to 344 truckers and their families. So it's, it's extremely important, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and so what you can do to help them because their, their biggest fundraiser was the mid America truck trucking show. It's not happening. Um, so if you go to truckersfund.org yes. is where you need to go, uh, to help this, this great fund. Right. There you go, brother. Got to give a little cowbell for that. Absolutely. All right. Let's talk about why rates may be in the rear view mirror with Andrew Cox. He's coming on stage. Andrew. Hey, Andrew. What's up, man? By the way, Brad Reinhardt says, Good afternoon, Brad Reinhardt, he says, Good afternoon, guys. Brad, a guerrilla logistics check in. Be safe to all out there. Yeah, thanks, Brad. We Amen. will do our best, right? Hey, let's. Keeping safe, Andrew Cox? Yeah, I got to stay away from you, man. I know, I know. It's, it's hard. It's like, ah, there's, there's one here and there's one here. <laughs> um, so we're going to talk about DHL Supply Chain Pricing Power Index, and Seth Holm is putting out an article calling rates are in the rearview mirror. Why would that be? Well, because it seems like everything has peaked. So we had this volume frenzy that, that kind of ensued on the back half of March where we had volumes 30% over the next highest peak we've ever had. We had capacity tightening really quickly. We had not only because we had some drivers leaving to get off the road to be with their families and, and try to stay away from the virus, uh, but also because uh, carriers were taking advantage of the spot market. They understood that uh, that they could get better rates there. So they were denying contracted rates. That was one of the reasons you saw our outbound tender rejection rate spike up. But but both of those things are behind us. They're actually falling quicker than they rose, both volumes and rejections. If you look at the, the 10 days since the peak of volumes, we've dropped, I think, 15% on the up on tender volume index. And in that 10 days preceding the peak, we were only up, I think, 11%. So you think things are really returning to normal at a faster rate than they, uh, than they rose up. Yeah, but they're still elevated, though. Yeah, no, that's that, that's I mean, also the, true. The, the the steepness of the decline is is greater than the steepness of the ascent. Correct, and, but we're and you're still right. we're pretty still, high. Do you know? You know? You have it off the top of your head. Yeah, I think we're at like eleven two. Uh, so eleven which two, is, which is higher than uh, you know, the higher than the 2018 peak in the summer, which was yeah. you know, the, the best freight market in years. So right. yeah, we're, we're still elevated. That's why the, right. the pricing power index is still on the side of the carriers. We we've fallen down five points from its all time high at sixty five. Now at sixty, so the carriers are still in control because we have elevated uh, elevated volumes and still some pretty tight capacity, but it's loosening up very quickly. Right. Hey, when you're on the coronavirus freight market update, you talked about unemployment, right? Six point six million, huge, huge number. How does that play into freight volumes, though? Because a lot of times the truckers will see that stuff and they go, "Well, why do I care about that? Or why do I care about this? Why is this so important and so vital?" Well, for a couple of reasons. One, you got to see that if people are, even before people get laid off, people are changing their consumer habits. We, we've seen consumer spending overall down in the U.S. down 30% or so year over year uh, in the back half of March. So people are buying less goods, and they're not only they're not only buying less goods because they're they're in need of less things, but they have no place to go buy things. Everything that they normally would go and spend things on, besides groceries and you know consumer staples, things that they have to have. Are no longer available to them. So if those truckers, if those places aren't selling goods, those truckers no longer need to replenish the goods at those stores. So you see that, you know, 95% of the retailers and stores that were would be open at this time of the year are now closed and are not moving any freight at all. Yeah, and 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 some of those goods that people are going out to buy, like so, uh, I did this the other day, right? I'm I'm, I'm redoing a, a swing set for my daughters in the backyard, right? So. 
I was going to go price out the lumber. I, what are you I doing it? So how did you screw it up the first time? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just they've grown. It's been in the in the ground for it, it needs to be replaced. Okay. It needs to be replaced. So I'm replacing all right. it, right? So I'm going to do it myself. I got plans and all that kind of stuff. So I go to Home Depot, drive by. I'm going to I'm going to price out the lumber. Right. And there's a line of 60 people out the door because they're only allowing so many people in. Oh, so yeah. I just continue on my way. So there's some of that happening too, right? Just well, forget it. I'll just some other time. No, I think the same thing will happen in grocery stores too. Yeah. Uh, like I was thinking just yesterday, my girlfriend, we needed some chicken and she went to Walmart and there was a line out the door and she just decided, you know what? We'll, oh, wow. we'll, we'll get, we'll get tacos or something. We'll get them to take out. <laughs> yeah. We, we did, we just completely uh, ignored it because it's the signal mountain Walmart because they're doing the same thing. They're, they're limiting the amount of people that go in. Are they? I haven't been there in weeks. This was yesterday. I think they started it yesterday. Oh, they probably saw um, Chad Prevost in there with his bandana mask on. I got a little nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Chad. Stay safe out there, dude. Um, so the long-term prognosis of this, though, so rates, probably not a great recovery. We were, I mean, this index had looked like crap up until a while ago. It jumped up to 65. It's at 60 now. That's when it favors the carriers. You guys see it falling back down, though? Yeah, I think this was a this was a sugar rush for the carriers. I think they very quickly uh, they were able to increase their rates. They had enough vo- they had more volume than it, than the most of them could handle uh, for the most part. But that was a really short lived uh, rush, and we're going to have that sugar hangover for the next couple months. I think, especially as the economy is still continued uh, to you know slow to a, to a complete halt. Uh, most of the businesses are down. People aren't spending as much money. There's just not going to be as much freight. We've talked about you know ad nauseum the last couple of weeks about what percentage of freight is insulated from the downturn, and we think it's something like 40%. So that means 60% of the truckload freight is going to be completely static. So that, that leans me to think that the carriers are going to be, they're going to be hurting here, a lot of them in the next couple months. So what do you, what do you think about the effects of, so um, when we talk about the repurposing, uh, manufacturers are repurposing what they're doing. They're, they're, so does that well, like not, power, right? With yeah, the like face power and, and General Motors. So you're not hauling auto parts, but now you're hauling ventilators from from General Motors. Is, do we have any grasp of what effect that is, or just hey, it's some type of positive, but we really don't know yet. It's too early. Yeah, I think it's the latter. I don't have any exact data yeah. on what percentage of of you know industrial capacity is being switched over, and they're they're producing other things. But in my mind, it's probably a really small percent. I mean, think about the only the only names we're hearing that are doing these kind of switchovers are the major massive manufacturers. There's plenty and thousands of other smaller manufacturers that produce things that we don't really think about uh, that are not able to repurpose their, their, their manufacturing sure, process. Like, right. you know, we hear GM and Tesla and these like major manufacturers, but there's plenty of small guys that are right now just completely closed and, they're not, yeah. and they will be for the foreseeable future. So I think that the, the replacement uh, demand of other goods that we're needing for medical supplies is actually pretty small compared yeah, to the Yeah, it'll have production. an effect, but it's... Uh, I don't think it'll really move the needle. Mover, yeah. Well, I think it shows more now too. And as we've yeah. seen on our other shows, interacting with audiences every day, you and I are, Michael. Yeah. And starting next week, we'll be at noon. Every one of our shows, our live shows will be at noon. So the coronavirus free market happen? update, what the truck, uh, put that coffee this. down. I know, we just made it easier. It's too hard <laughs> if it's like one show's at one and another one's at two. Yeah. We just start them at noon now, right? And we're yeah. going to run with it. So there you go. Put that, mark that on your calendars. Um, what was I going to say here? Oh, heck, Alex O'Egan, he, had a, he said, what kind of timeline are you looking at before we hit this cliff? Uh, are we talking about a freight cliff? Yeah. Or, oh, I think we're already hitting we're it. We're going we, down we, we've it right now. Hit yeah. It. yeah we, uh, the peak was about 10 days ago in volumes, and we've just fallen significantly since then. Yeah. If the trend continues, I think that we see another... Uh, by the time we, we do the DHL supply chain pricing power index, by next Thursday, I think we'll see uh, volumes somewhere around the 10,500 range, which is, in my mind, what we would expect normally around yeah, this time. Yeah, that would be about a normalized market right now. Right. So I think uh, I think we'll see that. So, and that's again, that's shedding another 6 7% uh, before we get to that point. And I think it will 
fall even further. I think at the end of April, we're looking well, below his normal question, right. So His question highlights something really important to bring up here, though. Yeah. And it was one that was brought up to us where someone was like, wow, our rates are down 30%. I can't find freight anymore. And this is how important freight market visibility tools are. <laughs> Having a proper tech stack where you have load boards so you can make You're these pivots. My mind. And adjustments to move the, those ventilators instead of hockey pucks or whatever the hell it was you did before. There are companies, the ones that react are the ones that are going to survive. And the ones that the decisions they make now are what are going to decide if they live or die. And if you are living off old data, if you're living off old spot rates, and that's why some people may have these questions, like when's it falling off a cliff? That's right. And they may not know it already has. They're living in last week. That's exactly right. And you're reading my mind because what I was, where I was going with this is, is yeah, overall the, the volumes are coming down. They're still elevated, but it's going to fragment. Right. And, and it's all over the place because we talk about we're, we're already coming down the cliff and it's steeper than the ascent was. Right. And we're going to hit this normalized in what a couple of weeks. Right. Back down to where we think we would be. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but when you look at, at sonar and you look at the volumes that are out there. Right. Some of the markets that were up day over day as far as volumes were Atlanta, L.A., Stockton, Lakeland, Denver, Phoenix, Seattle, Cincinnati, Portland, even New Orleans, volumes up. Those are not, you know, those are not small markets. They're fairly decent sized markets and they were up. And then the other part of it for, for the carriers and, and, and the brokers that are out there and even the shippers to be mindful of is it doesn't mean that they're, it, just because volumes are coming down and, and, and overall and, and rejections are coming down, the volatility within each of those different markets and on those lanes is, is, is worse than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's changing on a daily basis. So keeping up with that is, is important to find those opportunities of where can I get, uh, you know, where's my next market that I'm going to put freight on my truck? To move it, yeah. right? And in what lanes? Right. There's something. There's another thing in play that kind of piggybacks on that is that a lot of different regions and different cities are in different phases of their coronavirus battle. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, you know we talked about it, I think, on the coronavirus update yesterday, is that New York will probably recover before other people, other places. But, you know, there's going to be places that haven't even really been hit hard that will be hit harder in the next couple of weeks. So tracking freight volumes and looking at how the freight volumes are moving in those different regions is, will give carriers a big insight into where they need to be. Absolutely. And staying abreast of, of, of these different things, of who is, who is retooling and providing different things. Uh, we were talking about Pulos. Yeah. V3 Transportation, uh, it seems like a year ago, it was yesterday. Yes. And, and so they switched their model. And they're, they're, I mean, they didn't switch their model, but they went off to, after industries that they normally wouldn't, and, and they're surviving this, and they're keeping drivers moving. They had to, I think they did, had to shed some, but they've been, they've been stable and, and doing decent uh, by making that. And so that's what drivers has to look at is, is what else can I be hauling if I'm not hauling this? Where are the hotspots? What, what is coming up? And hey, if, uh, you know, GM is making ventilators, maybe I can get some loads out of there. Yeah. Hey, Andrew Cox, thank you so much for joining us today. Right, Have boys. a great weekend. Thank you, Andrew. Appreciate your time. You know, the other thing in that is, is uh, you know, is Zach and I, Zach and I yesterday on uh, freight forecasting, we're going through, you know, how you look at exports out of, uh, out of uh, uh, you know, China or Europe or wherever it is and how it hits the ports and then the inland transportation, surface transportation. And, you know, so we're talking about, things dropping, et cetera. Well, another example is from LA or not even LA, all markets into Chicago, 40 foot intermodal boxes on the rail coming into the Chicago market over the last three days is up 30%. Wow. 
Speaking about going where to get your pickups, Hector Padelier says uh, that's when you go to Lowe's. Who's referencing you saying that you saw that big line at? Uh, I would have had to turn around, and it was it was already late. I was so. at, at the Home Depot. I think it was Shrek where they called it Home Despot. I thought that was Home Despot. That was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, the bad news and good news. All right. Oh. Let's see. And Emily is saying that we may be back up on LinkedIn. Wow, what a what a journey we've been on. Just Thank in you. Time. Thank you all for joining us. Yeah, just in time for good news, bad news. Yeah. So the good news is we're back up on LinkedIn. The bad news is that there's only I don't know, an hour or so left in the show, but let's see what she's talking about. What comments <laughs> were there here? An hour left. Uh, CM Evans. I know she didn't even, she could have given me the comments in Slack, but in, she's sending me here. CM Evans, are the difference between TL and LTL visible on the tender rejection graphs? Uh, say, say that again, the difference. He says between, the difference between uh, truckload and LTL visible on the tender rejection graphs. Can you see the difference in the tender rejections? on uh, No, it, it is truckload, but um, there are there are plenty of ways to understand what is happening in the LTL market through the truckload market, and, and especially in pricing and pressures on uh, uh, spot market volume contracts, et cetera. So uh, there's plenty of uses in the, in the, in the LTL by, by monitoring the data that is in, that is in uh, 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 sonar and not just the tender rejections and outbound tender volumes. There's all the different macro and microeconomic indicators that are in there and the rail movements and the import movements and the growths and that type of stuff that, that are very strong indicators of what the LTL markets are looking like. Nice. Hope that, hope that helped. Uh, so good news, bad news, right? Good news. On March 26th, a driver from Titanium Transportation Group picked up a truckload from, we were just talking about him, the Home Depot in Cambridge, Ontario, and delivered it more than 300 miles away to Canada's capital in the great place of Ottawa. Uh, Neither the load or the destination was ordinary, though. The truckload of N95 face masks went to Federal Emergency Response Depot as a uh, part of the COVID-19 Pandemic as usual, Home Depot donated the mask to the transport and transported them free of charge. Only the driver got paid. They said it was a small gesture, but it felt good to help. The bad news is we just we need more masks. We need more. Yeah, ma- I mean, we need more people to do that. The good news is is that they did this. Yeah. Uh, the bad news is is we need everybody to do this today. We do. We need more and more, and we will. I, I have confidence that we're all going to pull together and, and do the right thing. So uh, let's talk about some more bad news. Okay. All right. The coronavirus has crippled industry and has put many mer- emerging ones at risk. That's bad news. Uh, yeah. The worst news is it includes marijuana. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Just as we were accepting Bro. it as a society. <laughs> I'm telling you. Uh, but the good news. Uh, business- what do we got going on here? Supply chain. We're doing good news, bad news. We'll say hi to them. Though. All right. Well, this is, is this good All news right. or bad well, news? Well, I guess, I don't know. This is It's good news that Mr. Supply Chain has called us back on What the Truck. And it's, he called us when we were going into good news. <laughs> good news, bad news. <laughs> hey, Mr. Supply Chain, we were, I was calling up to ask you about this bullwhip effect. You've been propagating online this lie that toilet paper was going to be showing up in pallets at my Walmart, and I still can't find anything to wipe my butt with. <laughs> oh, he can't even hear me. I, I got to get him on the Bluetooth. You, and oh, that was gosh. Solid stuff. Did you hear me, Mr. Supply Chain? Donor, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so where's all this toilet paper on the pallets, my friend? It's coming. It's coming. I have heard everything from the manufacturers are 20% above normal capacity, running around the clock, to like 800%. They're just cranking it through. Yeah. But the problem is with a supply chain, you've got all these different pieces that need to be synchronized, right? Like you guys know a thing or two about trucking, right, and capacity. And so getting this stuff from where it's made to where it's being used. Um, 
and and then you know we're we're changing the lot sizes, right? You know where you might have bought one roll a week. Now you're you only want to go shopping once a month, and so you're buying four or five times as much, plus safety stock or you know the panic buying. And the other thing is. Now you're wiping your butt at home instead of doing it at work. <laughs> so it's a different product mix, right? All of this is it's creating chaos. The truth is, as soon as we can hit some kind of steady state on demand, it will be fine. But as long as, you know, we, we just sort of keep reinforcing this panic, it's just, it, you can't feed the monster fast enough. Yeah, so the message, Mr. Supply Chain, on toilet paper is, Chill out, you'll be able to wipe your butt. Yeah, I think you, you I, will. I think right. most of us are more concerned though with like the. I mean, because you can use baby wipes, you can use uh, tissue. I mean, you can use you yeah. can even use a leaf. Just you know, yeah. you know, don't you can jump in the river. The Tennessee River is yeah. always good for that. Uh, yeah, three <laughs> leaves flee, dude. Yes. Don't use the three leaves. And don't shake with that hand afterwards. <laughs> uh, but the the sanitizer and the Lysol wipes, I think, are just getting a little bit more serious for people because they're starting to run out. And I was even watching a video on CNN this morning where the guy's like, "Yeah, when you bring home your groceries, you got to wipe down every box of everything with." Uh, with a Lysol wipe. It's like, that seems excessive, but maybe that's what we got to do. I don't know. I mean, that's the problem is we, we don't know. Right. But, but you're, you're absolutely right. There are some things I think that hand sanitizer, Lysol wipes are great examples. soap, where, um, consumption has increased, right? We just didn't have the capacity in, in our supply chain to make as much as what we're using now. So for those things, we totally need more capacity. Toilet paper, it's different. The consumption hasn't changed. It's just a different product mix, and, it, and it's a different channel. It's coming, you know, it's all got to come through the retail stores instead of, like, coming from Granger now. And and so it's just going to take a little while for those to balance out. Well, well, we where's t- the Granger stock at? Yeah, where's that? Oh, <laughs> believe me. Yeah, believe me. When I couldn't get it at Amazon, I was looking on the Granger site, and they're backordered, too. <laughs> yeah. So people have already thought maybe it's federal stock I'm and not for the states, right? Maybe that's <laughs> we, we need to have a, we, we need to have a strategic toilet paper reserve. That's all there is to it. Yes, <laughs> but not federalized because that might cause its own problem. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We, you know, we were talking about this before you came on because I wanted to talk to you about the bullwhip. You didn't, and we were thinking about how well, how smart the demand planning is that supermarkets utilize to be optimized, to have just enough Lysol wipes so when you go in there, there's always enough and just enough toilet paper and how 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 attacked that gets by black swan events like this. That's right. That's right. And, you know, the thing that, that I find so interesting about this, you know, for the last several years, we've had this huge focus on automating all of our forecasting, all of our demand planning, Right. And, and there's some really sophisticated tools that can look for subtle changes and get rid of any excess inventory. But, um, you know, the, the problem is all of those systems look at historical data and look for patterns and try to project that into the future. And when you have a black swan event like this, well, the present and the future do not look like the past. And so it forces you to fundamentally rethink how you're doing forecasting right now. You know, it, it's, it's, it's guessing, right? It's, it's fancy guessing, but we really need to be using a qualitative approach, trying to understand what is the true demand, trying to understand these delays. How is the world going to look for the next month, the next three months, the next six months, and the next 12 months? And the truth is we don't know, right? But we can, 
we can probably make some better judgments about that than a computer can. Simply because, you know, we can, we can think about issues like, you know, global trade and government involvement and, you know, changes in population and demographics. Yeah. Hey, Daniel, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Everyone out there, go and follow Daniel Stanson on LinkedIn, Mr. Supply Chain. Go on Amazon.com and get his books. We know you got more free time than ever on your hands. Hey, give me some cowbell donor. All right, all right. Uh, there you go, man. God bless. Go. Have a great weekend. Thank you. All right, you were telling me about the good news and bad news with the marijuana industry. <laughs> yeah, so uh, let's go through that. So the coronavirus has crippled industry and has put many mer- uh, many emerging industries, ones at risk, right? So, and including yeah. marijuana. So businesses, but the good news is businesses that built out e-commerce and delivery networks are finding ways to adapt to changing consumer demand in a new normal. And some newer businesses are finding themselves better equipped to handle this new operating environment. One of those is Driven. Driven has been growing by acquisition in this space. In March, it bought on, uh, online cannabis retailer Buddy. Love it. Right? Is that, is that one like of your the favorites? Name. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a good startup name, but also for like, Marrow, it's like, it's B-U-D-E. Yeah. Yeah. B-U-D-E. So. Buddy. Giving Driven access to a custom uh, logistics platform. Then we'll be more than happy to let people know about what good you are doing on shows like What the Truck and the Coronavirus Freight Market Update. All yeah. of which, moving to noon next week. They will be noon and they will be live and you can be in the comment section and we yeah, will and, speak and with you. Don't we have a job board, Freightwaves? We do. We have Freightwaves.careers, right? Freightwaves.careers. Check that out because there's a lot of people that are actually hi- uh, hiring. We talked about this earlier in the week. Yeah, more than you would think. And I, you know, a girl, she just messaged yeah. me on LinkedIn. She was a guest on, I believe it was this very show, What the Truck. Let me see what her message here was to me. She said, Sabrina Potter. She said, so the end of April, I'm needing to hire six experienced brokers as they're opening a Metra Transport Group branch office here in downtown Chattanooga. So if you've been displaced with one of these companies, reach out to Sabrina Potter on LinkedIn or go to FreightWaves.Careers. There you go. Here's some bad news. Tesla is redesigning the look of the Cybertruck, something that I have a deposit on. The preliminary designs show, you know, the original ones, the one that I like, the one where he broke the window. It was like, it looked like a reject from Twisted Metal 2. It was janky and polygonal, but I loved it. Some yeah, I hated it when I first saw it, but At I first. heard you put down, uh, uh, so I really started to take a look at it. Yeah. I, I, I kind of like it. Yeah, once like it's I brought into it, hit. and I'm like, my kids, you know, my, my sons will love it. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be cool, man. Yeah. Well, here's the good news. It was just a terrible April Fool's joke that was reported on, though, by sites like the Wall Street Journal, the news. <laughs> the new, <laughs> you, know. It, it, you know, the cyber truck, it had overcome online bullying, memeing, ridicule, all those things you said to go to go up to over 600,000 pre-orders. So I really hope they don't pivot too much on the look. I know they're going to have to like mirrors and stuff on it, but, you know, I hope that... It basically has that same bizarre look. A mirrored finish. Yes. The exterior, just mirror. It looks like a like a modern day DeLorean or something. <laughs> look at that steel body. That, that's, yeah. That's, it's not a good omen. Maybe old Jack will be in the trunk. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So uh, another bad news: John Finley from Netflix hits uh, hit uh, docu series series yeah. uh, Tiger King. Tiger King. As you saw in the show, had lost most of his teeth. Yeah, he lost most of his teeth. Right? He said he was How doing do meth. That happen? He said he was doing meth. He did. Did he admit? And yeah, say he said was... he messed around with a little meth. Okay. All right. So there you go. He admitted that he had issues with past drug use. There you go, yeah. including meth. So you you know this story inside and out. <laughs> I've watched Tiger King twice. Yeah. <laughs> According to BuzzFeed. Yes. 
which would report on meth abuse, I guess. Uh, John's in a much better place in life now and has brand new teeth. Wow. Did he use tiger teeth for I don't know. No, I think, he has, yeah, I think he has some dentures in there, but yeah. like, that's a good point about the BuzzFeed and, and Beth, because <laughs> if you like lists, right? I mean, a lot of times well, you might want to make there, some lists. There's a team yeah. here going, I'm reporting on marijuana, now meth and BuzzFeed. Are you, uh, yes. are, I are don't you know. trying to typecast me or something over I, here? What? <laughs> this revelation is brought to us by author Robert Moore, who actually has a podcast about Joe's life, Joe Exotic, Tiger King, mm. and has personally interviewed most of the documentary subjects on his own. Wow. So, so he knows. Yeah, he does. And that's actually, I just got a notification on Spotify. Spotify is doing great work in terms of just promoting, pushing podcasting, pouring a lot of money behind it, like happy with what you're doing, Spotify. It's awesome. It's great to have more than one player than Apple Podcasts, even though they still dominate the game. But I'm really enjoying Spotify's interface because I listen through my music on there. And now what they're really starting to feed to you, especially they know you listen to podcasts, is some really great recommendations in the algorithm. And one of them that they recommended to me, probably because my phone listens to me <laughs> speak, is yeah. um, that Tiger King podcast. Podcast that I that you just mentioned. Uh, so, so have you been listening to it yet, or just I have. Oh, uh, you have. All right. Yeah, Carol on so there. She's talking about a bobcats are wild because you never know when a bobcats can just like turn around and rip your face off. You know what? Though? <laughs> it is. So it's one fifty nine. We're not going to end the show. We're going to keep going on we social are. media. Right, cool. We're going to keep going on the podcast version of this, and hopefully the video version of this. I think our upstairs people may have to end the Freightways TV feed. So jump on social media, catch the rest of this, and if that ever yeah. happens, just jump on social media because we still got to get to comment section rodeo. We do. But for those we do. of you, go through the rodeo. Those of you on Freightways TV watching, thank you. God bless. Stay safe. Have a great weekend. We'll catch you at noon. Peace and love. On Monday. For the rest of you, let's get to a little thing we like to call. Comment section rodeo. Today's pickup, this was from the article, today's pickup, why Canadian carrier Titanium hauled a load of N95 masks for free. We covered that earlier, yes, right? Yes, we did. It said, it's so heartwarming to see, this was from Corazon Reyes. He said, it is so heartwarming to see news about Home Depot at Cambridge, Ontario, sent a truckload of N95 masks to Ontario, Canada at no cost, and that Titanium Transportation Group stepped up to have it delivered for free. We need more companies like these, too, to ease up the already crippling COVID-19 pandemic. We salute you both. Yeah. Amen. I second that. Uh, Samlin. Sure. Says... From uh, from the article, this, oh, and I think sorry. most of these are yeah. from that one. Is it this one the same one? No, it's from no, industry from groups. The industry groups urge states to cut truckers slack at travel plazas. I mean, give them a break. Yeah, man. give them a break. Right? Uh, Sam Lim says, "Sure, no, we don't care to risk our health and our family's health for convenience of others. That is just plain selfish and entitled. Truckers are coming in to take out, only coughing, some sw- sweating, and it's scary as bleep." Uh, to think they are traveling, uh, they are traveling picked up and or spreading pandemic pandemics, knowing full well that they are not above biological Ill- illnesses. Okay. That's just wrong that they don't care because they live in isolations for their career. No, no special privileges in a crisis. Thank you so much. So he it sounds like he's anti trucker there, right? Uh, Is that what I'm saying? He's saying yeah, that. Yeah, it certainly does. But who does he it want? It certainly who do, does. Where does he think the shirt on his back, the keyboard he's typing on, the, the soda he's drinking, or whatever he's got next to him, where does he think that all came from? The toilet paper that he may or may not have found it in the store? It yeah. came on a truck, dude. And yeah. they got to stop at these travel plazas to 
to refresh to eat because they're human beings. Yeah, well, maybe maybe you know they should just travel into his neighborhood store and and park outside there and get something to eat and get some food. Well, our little he says right? businesses that service the truck and industry should pay attention to their business practices during the COVID nineteen epidemic. At one to in Las Vegas, nine fifty cents at Burger King for a Whopper with cheese when clearly all over TV. Two for the price of six, gouging water fuel. I was very impressed with Sap Brothers giving truckers free reserve parking. Sap Brothers will have my business for a lifetime. Most truck stops now cater to the four-wheel truck. Drivers are a nuisance to them. You can bet I'll be very selective who I choose to spend my $2,500 a week in fuel, not including food and supplies. Don't like their business practice. Don't patronize simply. Plenty of alternatives. Now, I understand his point, but I don't know if there's a ton of alternatives right now. I think that's part of the problem. Yeah, the part of the problem is there's no alternatives, but part of his point, people should be listening to what he's saying because yeah. he's ranting and there's and so on, and he's and he's mad, and, he, yeah. and he's probably right, right? I mean, he's got a decent point. No, he does. Uh, but all the alternatives. But as business owners, it's how you take care of issues and how you take care of your customers in these times. People are going to remember. They, like- they're going to remember it. He's not going to go there. He's going to go elsewhere because they treated him right. We've talked about all these. This show, we've talked so much about businesses pivoting too, right? Yes. And they're defining themselves doing. Yes. So, here's the thing, companies. You may that may be your new business. That's right. So treat your new customers well. <laughs> Absolutely. Treat your old customers well too, because look, truckers are not going away, and they're going to come back to those plazas, and they're going to be talking to some of these the, the fuel contracts, especially the not ones. Not if buying Sam Lamb has yes. something to do with not it. Not if he has something to do with it. He's going to be out there blocking your entrance. Yeah. <laughs> and this buyer's probably still going to go with the cheapest fuel. So yeah, that's true. Stephen Crossman says, decades ago, the truck stops were dedicated to the drivers, always gave them exceptional prompt service, taking care of their needs. They had designated sections for truckers only. But after the late 80s, Mm. they began wooing the tourists and four wheelers. There's nothing now to differentiate service to the truckers. Yeah. I don't know. I was Probably in, a fairly decent point again, actually. <laughs> was I'm a little too young for the, the era he's referencing like that. I guess that 70s glory days of the trucker he's talking about. I, I didn't yeah. enter this world until the 80s, so I, I know that time. <laughs> uh, you know, service plazas, I, I, they have kind of seemed the same most of my life. Yeah, most of Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, they did start changing, though. So, I mean, it is more and more to the... To the well, I, it, it's to everybody, right? They, they open yeah. up to everybody. There's more and more people going and traveling, and there's more cars, and obviously you see the expansion of the of the, of the freeways, et cetera. And so they try to cater to everybody. I, I don't know that it was just, uh, you know, intentional. Well, here's but. Jeff. Jeff has what he thinks may be a, a solution. He says... Open the restaurants to drivers only, leaving every other table empty, doing that social distancing. We sit behind the wheel for our entire shift, and now we have to eat there also? Who can, can, we can contain the spread because we as drivers know how to distance and keep clean. Demanding we drive and eat and sleep in our trucks is just a bridge too far. I challenge anyone to tell me where a driver can relax at a truck stop and actually sit down. The only place I found is on the toilet in the bathroom. If I only had a shelf for my cardboard box, a hot and fresh takeout dinner. Wow. All right. That's a good turn. So he eats on the toilet, apparently. Totally ruined all his credibility when he said that he, he knows eats how on to the distance toilet? and keep clean. Oh, yes. <laughs> and totally then he's, went out the window. The to- he's just yeah. sitting in the bathroom eating on the toilet stall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. That is, I don't know, man. I think I would, like, even if I was sick of my truck, I think I might just, like, I don't know, sit on the Sit on the back outside of it or something, cross-legged. Yeah. yeah. I'm not 100% opposed to his thoughts about having, you know, the restaurants open just to truckers. Yeah. 
and having and having some type of rules in place, right? Apparently, I mean, we got to do everything we can for the truckers. They got to keep moving, right? Yes. Uh, Thomas says, "I agree, and have been saying it all this time. The general public has other places they can go to. There's no need them coming to truck stops now. I mostly drive at night, so I can limit the amount of people I come in contact with. This only this only made things worse because you." St- Still nasty people who relieve themselves on toilets. Wow. I have photos to prove it from <laughs> Loves in Alabama on I-59 north of Birmingham. I wonder if that's the one that uh, Jeff was eating in. <laughs> Did you find it? Is there an empty box of Hutton Fresh in that photograph? That could be. Uh, that could have been him. Yeah, yeah. All right, Doug says. We got our culprit. What I don't understand is that if we are the ones who are running the freight and delivering supplies from places that boats and planes can't go, why are we getting the short end of the stick? Why is everything being made so difficult? We work hard every day to make sure that the average person is able to live a normal life. Please respect us and don't wipe out our only source of food when we're on the road. And that was very rational. Yes, 100%. And don't relieve yourself on the toilet seat. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. Actually, well, that was the most rational one. Glad we got to end on that one. And it was the best impression I've heard in a long time. I don't even know who it was an impression of. But it was solid. I haven't brought Sven back in a while. (laughs) What do I understand? What I don't understand? (laughs) I guess that would be Kristoff, right? As I learned on this, I'd say Sven can't actually talk. No, he can't. You know what, though? In Lost in the Woods, I am seeing Sven sing. They're singing background vocals, so I think Sven actually can talk. He's just keeping a secret. That's <laughs> just my theory. Ah. Yeah, it's like in toys, like that. Toys just a, fall asleep. Is this a leak of uh, Frozen Three? Could be. Could be. You think they'll make one? I don't <laughs> yeah, know. I'm not do, making anything right do now. Do you think? <laughs> the all reality shows. <laughs> yeah. Tired King. Well, hey, thank you everyone to tuning into the show today. It's been. Uh, I mean, it hasn't been an easy it's week. Been it's been another tough week. Hopefully, yeah. we're able to end it with some some levity, and we'll be back at noon on Monday on with Monday. another what the truck. Yes, we will. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner, D-O-O-N-E-R. Vincent the Dude. On LinkedIn, Timothy Dooner, continue the conversation. We're happy to talk with you and help you guys out during this trying times. We all need a friend. Be ours. Amen. Yes, Peace sir. and love. All right, let's get that closing theme rolling. A little cowbell to everybody who stuck through the technical difficulties on LinkedIn Live. That's what you get when you deal with the beta. According to Jonathan Smith, get well soon. Uh, what else we got going on here? Man, what is your t-shirt you're wearing today? Oh, yeah. from other people. Someone tried to get in the elevator with me yesterday and I was like, no. <laughs> and they just looked at me like shocked. And the door closed and I went up. Yeah, well, I mean, hopefully after the close, they went, yeah, that was really stupid of me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. <laughs>